You're listening to Building the Game with Rob and Jason. It's Building the Game with Jason and Rob. For tabletop game design, you really can't go wrong. Building the Game, yeah, Building the Game. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, February 11th, and you're listening to episode 350, Quite the Milestone. My name is Joshua J. Mills uh, from the Game Designers of North Carolina. You might also know me as Joshua Josh Mills from South Carolina. And with me today is... Hi, this is Matt Riddle, and uh, I'm here with Josh so that we can do a documentary podcast about game design and practicing your pitching experiences with each other so we can all learn together. Hi, builders. How are you? Yeah, and really, it, what this came down to is Jason, Jason, and Rob just couldn't get it done this week. Um, we decided we'd go ahead. I just felt it in my bones, so I figured we'd just jump in, go ahead, and report, record a podcast for him. So, kind of take the pressure off of him, especially since it's such a big milestone. True, it is three fifty, and I was also thinking that, hey, which one of us has the weird excuses to why we're not prepared and just go off the cuff? Is it me or you this week? It's it's I'll, I'll, I'll take it. It's yeah, me. Well, we're work at crazy. Like it's this thing I'm doing on my own. So you know, right? And it's so cold. It's cold, and when it's cold, I can't possibly prepare for a podcast. So we'll just go off the cuff. It'll be totally different than every other podcast where we also go off the cuff. Yeah, I mean, Matt Matt is actually recording this from his house because by the time he got home, he wasn't really he couldn't get over here in the amount of time he had because it takes you know like fourteen hours. But we need to plan better, really. It, 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 the weather and traffic it, it's all bad. I hate all of it. It's the worst. All of it. Well, to keep things kind of kind of rolling in terms of the the kind of normal proceedings, um, what do you what are you drinking there, Matt? You know, today, Josh, I had this delicious. Let's see, it's 33.8 fluid ounces Ooh. of ice cold, 4 billion old water, or in the south, 4,000 year old water, you know, depending it, on it which depends. Uh, it depends on where you are, right? Right, right. Depends on which museum you go to. <laughs> so, um, but either way, I'm drinking a delicious smart water. It is uh, tasty, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a Friday night, so you got to go wild. Well, it'll keep you hydrated, that's for sure, and you're going to need it. Um, I actually have a proper soda pop. Um, uh, I would just say Coke, even though it's not a Coke. But, or <laughs> uh, it is a cream soda. It is a premium sugarcane soda. It is called Swamp Pop. So Swamp Pop probably makes this mic really angry. Um, it's from Louisiana. And the reason why I chose uh, a drink from Louisiana is because my game, Big Easy Busking, is probably on Kickstarter right now. I think it's February 11th. Yeah, go to Kickstarter right now. Uh, look for Big Easy Busking from Weird Giraffe. It's a game that takes place in New Orleans. It's all about musicians playing music. It's an area control game for one to five players. It takes about 45 minutes to play. It's it's super fun theme. It's a really battle back and forth playing music for the for the crowds to get them to tip you and make a lot of money. So there's my plug for the evening. Um, Big Easy Busking, Kickstarter, Weird Giraffe. Just go do it. I mean, they always say the way you can support us is by backing our games, right? It's true. It's true. true. And since it's true. you and I actually design games that people want, they can, that's actually true this show, unlike yeah. the rest of the shows yeah, prior now, to this. Now you actually can get a game that you would enjoy. So that's super that's, helpful. That's true. Well, I did hear on episode 349 that uh, Jason is going to publish his own game again, which after Water Balloon Washout, why wouldn't you? I mean, that, I mean <laughs> the roaring success of Water Balloon Washout. 
really, I mean, why wouldn't you, right? The game that right. single-handedly closed down the board game bento box industry. Is what I heard. <laughs> that's that's same thing I heard. That's so yeah. weird. So let me pop let me pop the top of this swamp pop. Um, here it goes. Ooh, let me. Uh, Sounds delicious. Yeah, got a nice little like you know fuzz coming off the top here, and let's see see what it tastes like. Ooh, that's super. That's really cream soda. That hits you hard. It's cream soda to the tenth degree. Hold on, let me. Yeah, there's some. There's some 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 swamp water mixed with some cream soda and uh, I think some special sauce. I'm not quite. It's kind of nutty, really. It's kind of nutty. Um, I'm gonna stop talking about the soda now. But if this were the actual duo, uh, I would go on for at least ten to fifteen more minutes. Um, yeah, I, I personally was hoping you'd give me a, a deep history on the, you know, the American nostalgia that is cream soda, which you know is I'm sure super interesting that all of our all the builders would love to hear about, but. You know, for the sake of time, we should probably move on, like you said. Sure, but if you want to go try it, go down to the Cracker Barrel and uh, look for Swamp Pop. It's it's good stuff. I All right. Like oh, oh, no. Uh, crap. <laughs> I, pull, I legit have now spilled it all over myself. <laughs> it's not as easy as it looks to drink a soda and talk into a microphone. Listen, I, <laughs> Jason and Rob are pros. So they are pros. Pop while doing a podcast. Not everybody can handle that. Not everyone can pull that off. Not amateurs like us. Definitely not. So, Matt, like, what have you been? What have you been do, uh, doing, like, design wise and kind of playing wise? Uh, anything yeah. you're preparing for? No. Yeah. So you you clean up your sticky effervescent mess, and I will. Uh, you know, I'll carry the weight for a bit. So yeah, basically, you know, design wise, preparing for Unpub, which I think I just heard that Rob is not attending Unpub, which is really stupid. But uh, I don't know if Slingland's attending or not. I mean, let's hope not. But you know, either way. So yeah, Ben and I are working on some stuff. You know, I still design everything with Ben. Design with, design with a partner, as we'll talk about later. But um, we've got actually a really cool project working out with a third designer. It's a it's a three way project where we're trying to get into a uh, an existing product line with a card game, and that's pretty exciting. Can't say much else, you know. Podcast people love it when you talk about things on a podcast that you can't tell me. Love it, on. they love, love it. it. But uh, we're working on that, and then otherwise, we just wrapped up a two player train game of all things. That we are hoping uh, Real Grant's interested in after the rousing success that has been Beta Colony. Actually, honestly, Beta Colony is going pretty well. Real's got a bit of a resurgence. That's something that uh, I know our friend, friend of the show, Dustin Schwartz, one of our uh, one of our favorite builders, was pointing out on Twitter a few days ago that you know, kind of with New Frontiers and Beta Colony and a few other titles, that Real Grand has kind of had a bit of a resurgence, and I, I agree with that. So we we just wrapped that up, and um, we uh, actually. The other thing we're going to try to get together, I'm not sure we're going to have it ready for Unpub or not, is we are working on a game with an artist friend of ours who, um, you know, I don't know if she wants us to talk about it publicly yet, but she has had a desire. <laughs> don't, you don't, don't worry. This is definitely not public. Like eight people. That, that's listeners. true. That's true. All nine listeners may, may deduce what I'm talking about. Um, but hey, builders, if you figure it out, you know, keep it to yourselves, please. So, yeah, we, uh, she has the desire to draw a certain animal. In, in a repeated fashion and reached out to the Twitter sphere about uh, maybe teaming up on that one. So Ben and I said, Hey, we'd love to. So we're going to start a uh, kind of another cards, numbers on cards game, sort of in the Peat Mott's family. Um, but you know, with, uh, with cats as it turns out. So pretty excited about that one. Again, I don't know if we'll have it ready for Unpub or not, but we should have a few things going. We just kind of wrapped up you know, with fleet dice and beta colony, 
coming out. And Sleepy Hollow will be out any day now, right after the uh, Milkman Kickstarter, you know, probably the same time frame. So any day, or tomorrow even. And then, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll go from there. But yeah, no, it's, it's been pretty fun. So we get we kind of actually have, a, for the first time in a few years, as we had been working on, you know, Wasteland Express expansion and a couple other titles and a uh, Sleepy Hollow, which was a gigantic undertaking. We actually are kind of at a fresh, clean slate for the first time in a while. So Ben and I are pretty excited. We're going to start working on the Euro because we want to. We haven't done one in a while. And then, yeah, probably always card games like we always do. So it's pretty pretty exciting. Yeah, for me, for Unpub, like I had a I had a child four months ago, so the normal getting prepared for Unpub stuff d- <laughs> didn't happen in the same fashion. But what Where? I've what I've actually done is gone through and and pulled a bunch of old designs that I just stopped working on, not because they were bad, but just because I had you know caught the bug for something else, or I pitched it a couple times and somebody was interested in it, and then maybe it fell through, and then I was like, ah. I don't, I don't want to grab that again, um, especially because I have a two-year-old and a, and a four-month-old. There's been a lot of time where I'm just like, whatever. Um, but I'm pulling out those designs with the intention of just getting them to a place where I can evaluate them and say, is this worth kind of continuing in and seeing if I can make this happen? Um, or should I kind of pull back and use some of these ideas in a different, in different project? And one of those things is Backlot, which I've always really liked the... Uh, the scoring mechanic in that game which is really unique basically it's it's a theater like crowds of theater with these long triangle pieces that you place in order and then you are going to premiere your movie in one of the big months uh through november or october but crowds overlap so for example like if you're talking june august uh september uh everybody's looking for a cool action flick right so if you release kind of an action flick in that time, you're competing with the other movies that are releasing around that time for whatever payout is in that month. But there's also a romantic comedy crowd that maybe was go- like coming over hitting August from you know, the summertime. So maybe you want an action comedy with some romance in it and you could end up getting both audiences. So that's super cool. The, the main game is uh, have the kind of the problem of me and Nat call it the Montana problem because it was just worker placement and it was boring and not, not anything interesting. So that's kind of why I shelved it. Right. Cause it's like, Oh cool. I place a person. I do the action. That's like every other 15 game. Um, uh-huh. But then I had the idea of like, because I was really hitting it hard, like, what could I do to solve this? And I really liked uh, Porta Nigra. Like, I know you're like, eh, it's just probably like a medium level game for you in terms of likeness, I would guess. You know, I, I, I got it for like 16 bucks or something crazy when it was just being blown out on Amazon. Which, by the way, always a good sign for its game, a game's popularity is when it's 16 bucks on Amazon. And I, I, I played it once. Um, with a uh, friend of the show, Kevin Crowther of uh, Hexagram 97 Games or whatever the hell their company's called, and uh, who's going to eventually have a game on Kickstarter theoretically. But I, I liked it a lot, actually. I, I liked most of it enough to want to play it again. I just haven't actually got to play it again. So, no, but I'm with you. It's got, you know, I really like the. So, I, I admit, I'm pretty excited about to see Big Easy. Speaking, I'm going to go backwards five minutes to Big Easy Busting because. You know what's hard, Josh? Is what, what's hard? control with less than three players can be tricky. It's been pulled off a few times. Uh, you know, there's ways you can do it, but I'm curious to see how big, easy busting pulls it off. And my point being, I guess, that I think uh, it's not really area control. There's a bit of an area control majority thing in Puerto Negro that is, is pretty well done 
and it worked okay with two player. Yeah, um, it like f- there's a solo mode too, right? Um, that I didn't actually design. Uh, Carla designed it of Weird Draft, and when I I was really skeptical, right? Because I already knew two players is hard to to do. Like one player is going to be real tough. But when yeah. I played through it, I was kind of dumbfounded by like how much it gave you the same experience, and I. I, I applauded her for that. I was like, D- like, damn. <laughs> I yeah, think- <laughs> you know, it, it's so, that solo gaming thing. I, I, I'm never, ever, ever going to do it. Um, I, I just, I don't have whatever it's in me that's going to pull a box out. I'm just going to play computer instead. I'm going to go log on and, you know, play. I, you know, I, I'm a sucker. You know, I'm like, say, a uh, friend of the show, builder, friend of the show, TC Petty, who loves those indie games. I lo- I'm a sucker for a big budget PC you know, button masher RPG. So right now I'm very slowly playing through uh, the Lord of the new newest Lord of the Rings game, which is really for, you know, it's really a button masher, but it's fine on PC. The point is I love my high gloss, big budget PC games. I'm always going to do that before I'm going to set up a whole board game and play by myself. That said, the solo crowd, if you give them a good experience is very supportive. Like they have been incredibly supportive of fleet dice and especially fleet dice, but, Fleet as well has a solo mode. Fleet Dice has a very popular solo mode. So yeah, we uh, you know we purposely went after and made sure that we had a solo mode for Fleet Dice because we know that that crowd is you know not only incredibly supportive, but if you give them something they like, they you know they'll they rep it for you too. So yeah, that's a good choice to get a solo mode in there, especially if you can make it if you can pull it off so that it plays like you said, you know, like the actual game and gives a good experience. Those guys and girls will will be all over it. Yeah, and speaking from my day job, please continue to play the large <laughs> video games on your PC. <laughs> I, I always will. I always, always will. I'm just, yeah, I, I like video games. I've always liked video games. So, Well, that, that makes me happy in that one regard. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this the solo mode in, in Big Easy Vest is really impressive, and I, and I didn't design it, so that then you, you know it's good, right? <laughs> um, to jump, to, so Portanagar, the reason why I bring it up, the way that game works is it has uh, kind of cards with actions on them and you select from those actions, right? And that yeah. con- and the way I make stuff, and you, if you've listened to this podcast, you know, I, I steal stuff I like. So I'm going to steal sure. that, you know, straight up. Um, but that's going to be the call sheet for Backlot, which is about filmmaking and movie making. So, which makes a ton of thematic sense. Because you basically, a call sheet is telling you who you need, where you need them, and what you're going to be doing, right? And maybe on day of production, you don't get to do all of it. Or you, you push and you can do more than normal. So that thematic hook, taking that worker placement and replacing it with that concept, I think will really push that game and drive it forward. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it back from two or three unpubs ago. Yeah, um, I remember it. Yep, and see, see how, it, how it works out. Good. It should. That's a good choice. I, I'd like to have. We've never really brought in, brought in, brought a large form board game. Making fun. You're well, making fun of the South, and you're over there, right? Broughton. <laughs> Broughton. I'm gonna Broughton. No, we. The last time we brought a large, like a big board game to Umpub, I think it was like Umpub three or four, which was the first one he attended, and the last one that was in like the high school cafeteria. And we brought Begon, which ultimately turned into Beta Colony, actually. Um, which is, you know, a release game now. So, but the last three or four umpubs, I missed one in the middle there, but we've had kind of small, quick stuff, but I like having, you know, a 90 minute board game. If we can get something ready, I don't think we'll have anything for umpub, but yeah, I think you get umpubs in those situations where you can actually get three or four or five plays, even of a 90 minute game in one day, which is, you know, real hard to do outside of the umpub setting. 
Oh yeah, for sure. And and you get that you get those designers that first day, and you're like, I need to make 15 changes before tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny because Ben and I go back and forth all the time. He, uh, you know, again, we probably cover this. I know we're talk about this again later, but you know, he and I are a little bit different. I'm, I, I think I'm very good at, at digesting feedback, and because for two reasons, I don't take anything emotionally. In the same way that I don't really care about BGG ratings, I. I don't. Someone gives my game a two. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I I don't care. Yeah, so, sorry about that. Yeah, it's all right. You know, you do what you got to do, friend. But uh, in the same way, I don't I don't react to feedback emotionally either. He doesn't either, but he's real resistant to feedback uh, if it doesn't go with what he thinks he wanted in the first place. Sometimes, but then to his credit, he's smart enough to you know let something filter in his brain a little bit and then come back later to it. So it's funny how you know we we the way we generally process the unpub feedback is we probably don't do much live that weekend we digest later on look for patterns and stuff like that but yeah that first day with other designers can be pretty pretty nerve-wracking oh yeah for sure well i actually matt we we got some calls believe it or not um some people actually called in for us so uh i'm gonna go ahead and play the first call here i have no idea who these are from so hello yes this is tc petty the third and i have a question for josh and matt can you give us some tips and tricks on how best to handle board game design fame and fortune? Because we'll never get those tips from Jason and Rob. And remember to listen to Deep Design with TC Petty the Third on the Game Designers of North Carolina podcast feed. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, Riddle, you're probably more famous than I am um, in the board game community. Let's keep it real. I was yeah. on the DIY yeah. network for a little while, and it was intense. It's true, you were. You were. Uh, yeah, so... You know, uh, I appreciate the question, TC, and uh, I'm surprised it wasn't from Len, since I thought he's the only one that called this stupid show. But um, yeah, you know, you just kind of have to take it in stride, right? You know, one one day at a time. You know, make sure you don't forget the little people. You know, make sure you take really good playtesting notes that you can thank those that got you where you were, at least in the back of a rule book. You know, if not financially. So since you know, there's none of that in this industry. So yeah, you just gotta do the best you can. You know, and you sort of take it. You know, when you go to the cons, maybe, you know, wear a pair of sunglasses, maybe one of those funny mustaches, whatever, whatever gets you through the day. But no, I, I do think there's there's a lot to be said about just, you know, maintaining humility and making sure that you don't forget that even though you are better than everyone around you, don't act like it. Right? Yeah, you and just, I've actually seen you act that way. So I think it was Gen Con and um, Wasteland Express uh, Delivery Service was just released. And you made a point to go up to each group playing and just ask them how the game was, how it was going. You didn't let them know you were the designer, even though if they knew, they would have swooned and it would have been True. a whole thing, right? You, you were very humble um, in gloating that your game was on every other table. Yeah, um, it's true. But that's, that and was, that's a that true was, story. That, that is actually is a true story. You know, in all seriousness, despite my kind of jokey last answer, and I mean this not derisively or, or no false humility here. No one really cares, Josh. That's the funny part that, like, people even outside of, like, you know, you tell your family and friends, like, even my wife, who I love to death, you know, she thinks we go to the conventions and there's, like, you know, guys throwing their panties at us and women throwing their bra. I mean, there's, like, it's not, it's we're not rock stars. No one cares. Literally no one cares. Like, you can walk up to people playing your game and going, hey, I just honestly go, uh, buddy, can you please live slow? We're trying to read the rules. Like, no, no, I'll teach you. I designed it. I don't care. Like yeah, they get out of here. Really, they could really care less. Ninety nine point nine percent of them. I will, that said, it, it's still really cool. Yeah, one thing I will say that, and this is just for once you have some designs out there when you go to play test, 
some people will come to you with an expectation of what they're about to play test is a finished product that they have played of yours before. Mm-hmm. And that is never the case. <laughs> so there, there, I have seen at different conventions, um, people that have like, you know, successful games or hot games, and then they're trying to run play tests and then they, they get that person that really doesn't know the process, uh, in that group and they start playing something and then they feel bad because they you know they're not liking it to the level of what a release game is mm-hmm. but they're they have a good time because they're playing it before it comes out but always setting that uh <laughs> that <laughs> always setting that expectation at the beginning of a play test doesn't really hurt um yeah i know for on pub too that, that's a great point for, for the unpub setting it's definitely you know a lot of people realize you know what they're getting into but there's also many that don't they don't know what a prototype is especially when it's you know a really ugly one like you know that's neither ben nor i have any kind of graphic design or art abilities so our stuff's usually pretty ugly like it it plays but it's ugly i mean it'll play it'll play (laughs) it'll play it works our stuff works but it's uh yeah you gotta you gotta level set what they're getting into for sure all right cool and we have an we have another one this one's uh a, a little bit longer um, don't know who it's from, so let's let's find out. Hello, new and improved building the game podcast. This is Julio Nazario. Yeah, that's right, Julio Nazario, not Julio Navarro. I am so excited to be hearing good board game design insight again, and not the tangent palooza that has been going on lately. This is my first time calling <laughs> because I know that my design questions will be a little too complicated for Robin Jason. But with you guys, I feel that I can get an experienced perspective. So here goes. You both have been very successful in working on co-designs. Matt, you are the sucky half of a fantastic design <laughs> than Pitchback. And Josh, you have been very successful in taking design credit from Matt Levan. So my question is, what is the right way to work with a co-designer? And how can I be successful in co-designing? I have had some problems with a specific co-designer that shall not be named, (coughs) Jason. You know, in just kind of moving forward and making progress on a design, please give me some insight. Well, that is all for now. Looking forward to hanging out uh, when the convention season starts out again. Keep doing great things. Bye. Oh well, great. I'm I'm glad we got that call. Um, yeah, that's that's a good one. I think the key to success is <laughs> is is having different strengths, right? Um, and then making sure the work you really hate doing, the other person likes doing. <laughs> that's pretty. That that's a really good tip. Like, I mean, I guess step one would be don't team up with Jason for God's sakes. Oh, I don't know why. We thought why? that was a good idea. Yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense. I really, I really hope the thing he's bringing to Kickstarter isn't a co-design. I would feel really bad about that. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it'll be a game. Uh, so, no, I, I do think, you know, to answer the question seriously, since I know there's a little joke there, you know, great great friend of ours, Iron Design Challenge winner right there, calling him to the show as he heard Josh and I around, which I appreciate. So, yeah, he, um, I, I do think not only is the opposing strength things important, I, I also think it's really important to pick somebody that, you know, I know, I've said this probably a million times on different podcasts, but you have to pick somebody that you can be a honest with and be you know be straightforward with. Like it's it's if you spend the entire time dancing around each other's feelings and trying to make sure you're like, well, that's a pretty good idea, but what if we do this instead? So they'd be like, no, that idea is stupid. We're not doing that. Think of something better. 
it's so much easier if you can be straightforward. So obviously Ben and I have the advantage because we've known each other for a long time and we can kind of have that honesty. But I think that's really important in a, in a design duo is just someone that you can be honest with and someone that you can be, that you can cut right to the point with. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's how me and me and network and there's, there's, we also give some, each other some freedoms in terms of like, I'll be like, I, I know you don't think this is going to work, but I'm going to go through and play test and push it forward because I think there's a way for this to either work or yield some other solution that is different, right? Because my, the way I design is I, I like to play test a lot. I like to experiment with weird ideas that probably will fail and they do most of the time, but every now and then one will resonate. And that's perfectly fine being like, yeah, you go do that. Cause he doesn't, he doesn't have the same play testing group. He, he, I, he would prefer me to go and play test the game a whole bunch and him like do kind of like rebalancing and, and adjustments based on what I've done. And I love, I mean, I don't mind going out, taking an hour and be like, I'm going to try this super, super duper weird idea in this game. And if it just blows up, oh, well, it's not an hour lost. It taught me a lot of things. And every once in a while, one of those ideas will work. And then he will, he'll be like, there's no way that works. And I'll finally get him to play it. And he'll be like, how does this work? Like, (laughs) it surprises him, right? And -hmm. then. And then he can go through, and I'm like, yeah, I like here's here's a game design I give to Nat. So you're doing this with the dice, and you're selecting one uh, in each round, and they're compounding on each other. And there's like a bunch of buildings and stuff that do things that you're gonna buy that like make your engine better, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do not do anything with those buildings. <laughs> I merely say the theme of what maybe they should do. And that could just be like, oh, you know what would be cool? Oh, you know what would be cool? Oh, you know what would be cool? By the way, this one probably should be one point instead of four points. And this one should be two points. And I'm like, whatever, man. Just print them up and I'll cut them up and take them to, to a play test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. That's, that's totally fair. And that's actually, speaking of play testing, I mean, you and Nat, I guess, don't have the advantage of being completely local like Ben and I do. But that's actually the probably the part that makes designing for the partner the easiest is that you can just play test your own stuff because we really are lucky. We don't have to show anybody anything before we want to. Like even like in an unpub setting where you have a little more freedom to have a pretty alpha, you know, an alpha game out there. We don't really have to do that because we can play stuff by ourselves hundreds of times before anybody else in the world sees it. So that's tends to be how we operate. And I, and I do agree earlier that, it's nice to have somebody where you've got a po- I mean, I say this all the time, and it's not it's not joking. I mean, Ben comes up with, you know, almost all of our initial I mean, I have had a few, but we'll call it seventy percent of our initial ideas. Like the you know, we'll call it the the seed idea. And after that sure. we just kinda hack at it and go from there. And that's kinda how we operate. So it's you know, I wouldn't be doing this without him because he has, you know, so many of those those initial ideas. And it's just one of those things where, you know, and he with that said, is, is not as good at, you know, maybe the, the second half where you're getting something home. So having to make sure you have the right partner from that perspective is, is very important as well. But yeah, no, it's, it's, I don't know. I like it because it's collaborative. I'm never going to sit here by myself and pull a prototype out and play it. I'm not, I, I the minute Ben's done, I'm done. I, I'm never going to ever, ever do it by myself. I just, I just can't do it. I do, it doesn't as much as I enjoy it. And I enjoy it a lot, but just, I just don't have whatever, whatever it takes to do that. I'll pull something out on paper, you know, and I'll think about it or do some math, but never am I going to sit and try to play through a prototype myself. It just doesn't work for me. So, 
Yeah, and for me, like I, what I do, which is probably even crazier, is I'll pull out kind of the proto and then just steal components and cards from other games. Like, oh, these are contracts now, and these are the resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> and when I'm kind of thinking about how a design could work, I like it on the table and I move things around. Nat has pretty much the the whole picture of how everything's going to function with each other with before he can kind of push forward in terms of prototyping. So like. It, it kind of balances itself out. And I would say he's much better at bringing it home too than, than I am. Cause I'm just like, Ooh, new thing. Ooh, new thing. Yeah. All right. Well, I feel like, you know, we've, we've had success doing it. I, I don't know if, uh, if you will, but you're working with Jason. We're available. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say most common denominator. I would say do the best you can, you know, with Jason and then go from there. But yeah, you just, sometimes you just got to pick a better partner. Gotta cut your losses and move on. Yeah, um, my Nat's actually just to give some perspective is Nat's in Philadelphia, uh, and I'm in North Carolina, uh, in the in Durham, and the reason why I think we can make it work is because I have the Game Designers North Carolina. We also have a podcast, Game Designers North Carolina podcast. Go check it out. But <laughs> we have that group, and we meet almost once a week. So kind of like how you and Ben are able to play test a lot that I can play test a lot with that group and we have that same kind of level of trust, right? Of like, hey, this is not great. This is real early. Um, it also helps because there's different kind of people so you can get the people that want to play that type of game and you can get that level of feedback really early and see what they want to do or like what they their assumptions are. And that helps me a lot to see what people's assumptions are about a design because then I can either work no towards those assumptions or away from them depending on what i want to do totally fair all right we have an we have another another call let's see uh who this one's from hi this is jason katarski from green couch games you know i have a question i i recently finished a kickstarter for a really fun game uh i'm looking forward to that one coming out later this year it's called into the black forest and um I wondered if you guys had any advice for working with uh, egotistical, kind of challenging designers. Uh, I really had that experience when working on that game, and I was just really hoping uh, that you could help me out with that. Thanks so much. Ooh, that's a loaded one. That's real. Things just got (laughs) real. I would have no idea what that's like, because Ben is the king of humility, as we all know. No, seriously. Um... Yeah, I mean, when you're working with like a Martin Wallace level type, which I'm sure who Jason's talking, I don't know who Jason's referring to directly. I've never heard of the Into the Forest game. Sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it, but uh, neat title. I'm sure, he means yeah, some A level designer who has earned the ability to be a little bit arrogant. So you know, I think it's like anything else, right? You sometimes you guys take a deep breath, step back, and do the best you can. Yeah, um, and for for what it's worth, I will actually what I try to do is the game is mine until I sign it. Then it's not mine anymore. Like, I for real, because that's literally what I signed, is giving someone else the authority and right to do whatever they want to it. Now, I'll pick my battles, right? If somebody goes really kind of really far away from what I wanted her to do, I'll I'll let them know. But when it comes down to it, I, I you know, I tell, especially when you're working with smaller publishers or indie publishers, like... I want to make the guess best game possible. That's why I'm, I'm working with you and sign the game with you. <laughs> I will tell you my opinion, but you don't feel like you don't have, you have all the decision power. And I know that once you decide I'll drop it. 
Like, I'll make an argument just to try to be another voice in the room. But if, you know, if you don't agree with it, move on. And that's so typical for me on a daily basis working in video games. Like, that decision happens every day, right? Mm -hmm. Where two or three people want different things. And it's like, okay, we'll do this. All right, sounds good. Move forward and let's continue to make the game better. That's a that's good advice, honestly. You know, again, not no you know, no tongue in cheek. It, it can be hard. So I, I you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I think to some extent, I, I don't want I don't want to overstate it. I think Ben and I were kind of those difficult designers on a project, and frankly, <laughs> they probably gave it back to us. <laughs> and I, I, I tend to be with you, Josh. I mean, I, I work in a committee, you know, kind of one of those committee settings at work, and I understand how everyone's going to have opinions and. You kind of got to do what you got to do. And a publisher is the one who signed the game and is the one who, you know, is putting the financial burden down. So I, I agree with you. I think in general, I'm going to defer to them. We did have a situation where we, we do, we did feel honestly like the publisher was making, you know, or was what they wanted to change or what they wanted to, you know, kind of, kind of approach was just not to the benefit of the game. And we just stood very strong on that. And the publisher was a fantastic publisher and, and they are they do great things but we just couldn't see eye to eye on a project and the, you know the project was given back and i think that's okay i think that happens sometimes in this industry but i do in general agree with you the publishers the one fronting the cash are the ones you know taking the risk so to speak you know financially so at the end of the day you know even if it's we'll say tie goes to them at the minimum i'm going to state my opinions and actually we've done it both ways if a publisher wants me to i'll be in i'll have them put on every decision i will do as much as I can and, and control as much as I can, or I'll stay completely out of the way. We've had both. Um, you know, a, a company like Lookout Games didn't really come to us much on Pete Mott's. You know, they said, hey, here's what Oh, is that the, is, that's why that's the one I like. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. They kind of said, hey, you know, they, they basically asked one or two questions. They did a little development where they changed a rule that ended up making the game better. And it's funny because they asked us if we thought it was okay, but they'd already done it. We thought we figured that out, like, because I mentioned something, well, not this, like, oh, no, no, we already changed it. We were just letting you know. Oh, okay, that's fine. You just let us know. Yeah, Great. fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. It, it is your it's your product at the end of the day. So, yeah, no, I mean, publishers, for the most part, they're, you know, they're just other folks like us trying to get things done, and I appreciate that about them. So, no, definitely, you know, love publishers and, and do the best you can to be kind and friendly with them whenever you can. But, Understand that they're, okay, one second, just... Not to go, you know. Speaking of never, something you said reminded me, Josh, of a oh. of a situation we had where we have a game coming out that we sold to a company, and it was sort of sold as an engine, which it is. We have never seen or played the final product. Like I, they could have done so much. It, could, it might not be the same game anymore. I we really don't know. And it's going to come out in a few months, and we've never played it, never seen the rules for it. Never haven't touched it since the day. Wow. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little crazy, and a little nerve wracking because we don't know what happened. Like it's gonna have our names on it, but we haven't touched it in a long time. Now we we trust them or we're gonna sign it with them, but sure, it's it's, it's crazy. We'll that's, see. That's a that's a really different kind of situation to to be in i heard your kid in the background if you yeah. wanted everybody to stop listening you could go ahead and we could bring our children on and then they That's could true. talk for like 20 minutes about nonsense 
Um, and that would just be that would be fantastic. Like if you, they would need to be a little younger though. Like maybe my two year old would be really true. riveting podcasting. No, because everybody else wants to hear about your kids. Everyone. Not interesting to anyone. I'll be I'll be really interested to see how that that turns out for you guys in terms of not not being involved really since day day one of signing. Well, I guess since, okay. So I, I can tell all nine builders listening right now. Um, it is our uh, our super friends and our Rick and Morty game. So it's um, oh, so it's got know, an again, IP on it too. They had their IP games too, so those always go well. But uh, no, the, the Cryptozoic it, it was really good to us, and they they took a design that we put together for you know uh, for the game, and they did some development on it, and we don't really know what, and we're excited to see it. So you know, we'll get some copies in advance, and then uh, go from there. I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it fits their brand, which is what you know that that's what matters to them. So it'll be pretty exciting when we actually get to play it. Yeah, and there's some there's some real money on the line for them in, in that regard. So they probably actually <laughs> they probably no, absolutely yeah. I mean, they've spent, especially with Super Friends. I mean, they've got they obviously had, there's some there's some investment there, you know, for that IP and for the art. So um, I'm sure they they definitely they, that, listen. I know they did lots of work. I'm not saying that they they definitely did lots of work because they let us know they were doing that. It's just a little scary to not have been a little more involved, you know, and in, after the initial kind of development that we now let me take out this real quick. I don't know if anyone cares, but we did develop the game for them. So it wasn't like they just took something that, you know, this is a game they said, Hey, here's what we're doing. We gave them a, a game based on their requirements, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then they took it from there, I guess. So we did, you know, we, we had the game done to their requirements, but then I know they did a bunch of development work and then we just haven't fully seen the outcome yet. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and I know I know both Jason and Rob. They kind of have, like Rob has signed a lot of his games when he is he has signed them. He just basically signs them and he's done and he moves on for for whatever reason. Because I've talked with him about that before at different conventions and stuff. Um, right. And Jason for like Unreal Estate was much more involved in kind of the process and and what they were doing. So it's it's kind of weird to see like the type of who that happens with in terms of publishers, it, um, what kind of designer kind of goes out of their way to try to, you know, push the game forward while the publisher has it. And I'm really malleable. I'll go with, you know, kind of whatever, whatever the publisher is dictating to me, I'll, I'll kind of step up and, and do my, my part of the job. Yeah. You know, I know some designers who are very hands off. It's like, all right, I've sold it. It's yours now. Tell me, I'll see when the checks start coming and they don't want to be involved. Like to the point of, you know, what I've been told by publishers is that, you know, to the point of frustration sometimes. I think most designers, Josh, are, are, are like you and, and like me as well. Again, I'm willing to own it. I will own as much as you want me to own from art direction, which is a terrible idea to have me do that, but whatever, um, through development, whatever you want. I, I, I like doing it. I like making games. I like the production process. Um, you know, short of talk, I'm not going to talk to the factory for you. That's your job. But, you know, short of that, I'm going to be as involved as you want me to. But, yeah, it's, it's been a mix. I and mean, we've had some publishers we've worked with multiple times where – one game we do seems like everything, and the next game they do everything. So I think it's just sometimes it's game to game, publisher to publisher. But yeah, every every experience is a little bit different, you know. And it's the one thing I do get frustrated by is, um, you know, <laughs> everybody's busy, Josh. All right. Oh yeah, but, everybody's busy. You know, so busy. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I go to work, and then I come home, and then I take my kids dinner, and we eat, and then we drive them someplace, and then we come home again, and then we do other things, and then I work on games because I want to. And um, they work on games all day, and they can't email me back in like two weeks. So I don't know. I somehow managed to email back the same day, even though I work 
nine hours and have a family and whatever. I'm no. complaining now. I'm griping. It's but. fine. No, I, I completely hear you. Like, with, to me, it's just my normal course of action to quickly email people back. If like I send this email all the time, thanks. I'll get back to you in three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> just so you hear from people. Because even with the uh, uh, Game Designers North Carolina, the people in that group, we also have a podcast. Go check it out. It's Game Designers North Carolina podcast. <laughs> um, a lot of times they will you know, submit things to publishers. They'll be like, okay, we got it. Cool. And then they just don't hear anything for months. And they said like, oh, I've emailed them three times over the course yeah. of three months. And they haven't emailed me back. I'm like, what are, they, what are you doing? And I think a lot of times people don't want to be... They don't want to be, they don't want to say, oh, I haven't looked at it yet. Or, you know, no, they don't want to be negative in that respect, but not saying anything's way worse. Um, it is. I, 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 told, I got it. There's some designers who are going to email the publisher every four days because they're that person and they're going to annoy the publisher. And the publisher has every right to ignore, you know, all those emails. But once, I'm willing to go all the way up to like once every two weeks. Like you don't need to email me every two weeks. You every- just need to give me you need to give me an update that says I'll get back to you in X time frame. Let's say it's three months. Okay, fine. Then I will give you three months. I will leave you alone until that three month window is closed. But you've got to give me something. You can't just be I'm so busy I can't email you back. That's yeah. not every publisher's that way, and it's super frustrating. Yeah, I I actually a lot of times because I just want to get I just want to get stuff done right. So yeah. I will DM you on Twitter, and then I just call you with the phone. Cause I, I was, <laughs> cause I was, I, you know, I'm the age group where like we didn't have internet and then we had it cause I graduated high school in 2000. So we're the cross people. Yes, um, yep. <laughs> so I'll, I'll call you on the phone and just be like, yeah, yeah how's it going? Yeah. <laughs> where, where are we at? <laughs> and then people are dumbfounded. Like that's how you used to have to do everything. <laughs> yes, exactly. But okay. Right, I, no more publisher ranting. No, we're yeah. We, uh, we don't want to, <laughs> first of all, they don't listen to this. They're, Very good point. Very good point. Van Ryder Games might. Maybe they do. I got a game sure. for you. I got a game for you. I don't. I'm just saying that. But by Unpub, I'll probably have thought of something. Um, Nat, uh, go ahead and get something together. Um, <laughs> well, do we do we want to pitch a game? We have a we have maybe like ten minutes left. Um, I don't really have anything super prepared, but I know you had you had something. Um, that you might have wanted to try to throw out there to see if it resonated with anybody. Yeah, yeah. So I had this, you know, I'm, I like to think I'm very innovative when I think of new games, but I had an idea that I just thought was the best. I'm going to call it, I'm not sure yet, I'm still thinking of the name, like Mustaches or Mustachinations, you know, get it, like Machinations, Mustachinations. Ooh, that's you know? good. I like that. I, thank you, thank you. Or uh, like, you know, Mustache Games. I don't know, I, I haven't thought of the name, but basically I'm going to put mustaches on cards because who doesn't love mustaches right and you're gonna put the cards like i don't know maybe in the middle of the table i don't really care what you, it doesn't really matter honestly what you do in the game who cares there's cards full of mustaches on them the game play doesn't even matter at that point it's selling itself i have a game with a card deck full of mustaches how can it not be awesome i feel like i'd like it i feel honestly if you just took that idea to unpub like if you took it to this unpub you know ben and matt famous ben and matt could get that sold that's fair. That that's a very good distinction. If I took it to Unpub, correct, it would be sold immediately. Like before before the Unpub even started, right? That's fair. It'd no, be that's, Thursday. That's totally fair. I would say it'd be almost impossible 
not to sell a game like that that sounds that clever and awesome again because no. mustaches well yeah you right? would have to go out of your way like you would really have to go out of your way to botch kind of pitching it i think yeah you'd have to be so bad at pitching games despite doing it i don't know 350 times or so that no one would want a game about mustaches because it, it basically uh, they, itself. They, no one could be that bad it's just not no not impossible well, I I had a game I was going to pitch, um, but I don't know. It's it is grid based, um, <laughs> and we 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 know how that goes. Uh, mm-hmm. But this this is actually this is a legit game I have that I brought back out. I was talking about backlot. This one's called Spookyard. Um, okay. It it is a three by three grid of cards. Everybody, slow down. It's cool. Um, they're face down, and basically, what you're trying to do is your ghost in a gra- in a graveyard or a spookyard. And you're trying to control the the spookyard. So the first person to have five ghosts down in this grid wins. Uh, and you can attack other ghosts. Um, when you lay a ghost down, you pick up the card that was face down because that ghost was buried. Um, the way you play ghosts and attacks is by discarding cards equal to whatever numbers on the ghost or mm-hmm, the attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a lot of fun as two players. It's one of the first games I designed. My wife loves it. She basically said, figure out, first of all, make it good. And then get mm-hmm. it published because it's one of my favorites. So that's the <laughs> Spookyard. It is grid based, though. However, so I don't know how well, you know, yeah. grid stuff goes over. Grid based is the lowest common denominator, lowest common denominator game design. But hey, it doesn't mean it can't work. No, but I mean, you got to be out of grid ideas after like you know ten episodes. I would think. You would think, or three hundred forty-seven, give or take. Ooh, that's so many episodes. That is. That is. Which is why at some point it's like. See, I got this game, and you're doing some stuff, and then there's like um, a door, and then you do some more stuff, and uh, mustaches. And I'm real excited right. about it. I'm gonna try to prototype yeah. it. <laughs> I'm gonna put it together for Umpub right now. But we we've had a lot of fun so far, uh, and you know we we bust on Jason and Rob, but. They have put together quite the podcast. 350 episodes is a hell of a run. It is. They're still going to be making episodes. This is not the end. This is not a transition. This is merely me and Matt <laughs> deciding that we were going to record this, not tell them, and send it to them. You may never hear this because they might just go, nope, we already had something else planned. <laughs> or maybe it's like 351. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, they, maybe they have their thing. It will be like we'll be pushed out. So all that 350 stuff will be nonsense, but that's okay. I really this I, like. I really this hope like this one song. I really hope it's like 372 because they couldn't meet <laughs> some week, and they're like, oh, I guess we can play that one thing they sent us way back when. And they're like, fine, I guess we'll play this stupid podcast finally. Thanks, guys. But yeah, thank you, Jason and Rob, for for entertaining us and the builders for for quite a long time. Um, Matt, how can people get in contact with you? Oh, yeah, they can find me on uh, Twitter at MDRidlin or um, on BGG is Ridlin or on Twitter as Slingerland Sucks. That's <laughs> uh, my. Yep, that's, a, that's an official hashtag. So it is really official. Like you got to pay money yeah. if you want to if you want to use the hashtag. Um, they sure. can find me at Joshua J Mills on Twitter, Gmail, anything and everything. That's that's my name. Check out the Game Designers of North Carolina podcast. Please go check out Big Easy Busking on Kickstarter. 
Um, if you like it, support the podcast by backing. I don't know how well that's going to go over, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> but thank you for listening to Building the Game. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. Follow, uh, follow us on Twitter at podcastbtg, which I really wish it was BTG Podcast because if you add things and it starts with P, it's confusing. I didn't decide that. You can also call us like people did today on the Google number at 770-TELL-BTG. Um, here's the key part, though. You can leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I know you've heard this a hundred times. This is the episode. You go do it. You make sure you put Josh and Matt were fantastic. Episode 350 is the best. You could put one star. I don't care about the number of stars. I just care that you review this episode because nothing will irk them more if we can pull out more reviews for our episode than they've been able to pull out in 100 or 350. <laughs> that, it's so true. That would be amazing, everyone. I'll even, like, I'll sing the outro, like the building the game with Jason and Rob. If that helps you, give me five star review for my amazing singing. I'll do whatever it takes. Whatever me and it I'm in. takes. Whatever well, it takes. Jason and Rob will be back next week. Uh, until then, good night. Later. This is Jason Gutarowski from Green Couch Games. I just want to say congrats to Jason and Rob. What a milestone. Uh, I'm so grateful for you guys uh, making Building the Game, all these episodes, and I hope there's a lot more to come. Building the Game is a co-production of Imminent Entertainment and Poorly Designed Studios. All of the ideas presented by Rob and Jason are property of the Building the Game podcast. Next time on Building the Game. I didn't, want to make you, I didn't want to make you edit, sorry. Oh, it's, it's, I'm going to make Rob do it. Um, <laughs> actually, we should leave this in and see if they listen to it before they post it. Because they have no idea it's coming. No, so, it's true. It, you know, it'll totally go. It'll go live with dead air for ten <laughs> seconds while while you look at me on camera as I look left at my daughter. I mean, I you know what? I'm leaving. I'm leaving it in. I'm not going to do anything because I want to see if they. Uh, I want to see if they listen to anything or if they just <laughs> no post way. it blindly because we could be cursing up a storm. We could just be talking trash about both of them. We could be doing anything right now. It's very true, but yeah, I. <laughs> I don't even want to guess whether they're going to listen or not. I don't know. That's funny. <laughs>